You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today we are um, starting a brand new series called School of the Spirit, School of the Spirit, and uh, we're going back to school, y'all, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that's okay with you, okay? Uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be talking all about the Holy Spirit, and over the years, we have uh, seen the Holy Spirit be misrepresented and misunderstood time and time again. Uh, maybe if you've grown up in church, maybe you've been uh, in a church service before where there's been some weird things happening in the name of the Spirit. Anybody ever been? in one of those services before, and you're like, I don't know if this is, yeah, yeah, some people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know if this is biblical, I don't know if this is right, and you leave confused, you don't leave edified. Most of the time when that happens, uh, we'll, we'll, I'm going to get ahead of myself into a few weeks from now, but we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit are for edification, so if we leave confused, uh, we're doing it wrong, right? The, the gifts of the Spirit are not operating how they're biblically supposed to be operating in, so we're going to bring a lot of clarity to the person of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is in our church and in our lives personally. And so um, I want to start with this quote from A.W. Tozer. He says this, and this is a great uh, just summary of where we're going. He says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would do or what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. I think if we're not careful, this is what can happen. Many times we can perform well, create perfect systems for the church, and look at the church more like an organization than the bride of Christ, and we slowly drift into, not intentionally, but many times out of the goodness of our heart and trying to find growth and reach people, we drift into this place where if the Holy Spirit didn't show up today, it would be fine. And would church still happened, and we feel good about ourselves, and we go home, and man, church was great, but God wasn't in it. And so we've got to make sure that we find this balance between the power of the Holy Spirit and the practices of the Holy Spirit. The balance of power and practices. Many times in the modern church, we get consumed with one or the other. Sometimes we drift over into many churches, they, they're consumed with the power in this moment with the Holy Spirit, right? Where it's like we're chasing this goosebumps moments, this moment with God, this move of God, but there's no practices to back the power, so it's chaos and it's confusing. That's not what we're after. That's not the balance that we're after. We're, we're, but the other side is also true. Many times we get focused on practices where we have, uh, we check all the right boxes, we have the perfect growth track, the perfect small group system in our churches, but there's no power, so it's just dead. We've got to have a balance of both. Lord, we're going to put these practices that we see some in Scripture in practice, but Lord, we also know that we're going to be soft and tender to your heart through the power of your Holy Spirit that's going to be active and working together. And if we pursue one over the other, this is where things get weird, right? If, if, uh, if I have power without any practices, it's like, um, it's like giving a chainsaw to a toddler. A lot of power but no practices to bring, somebody's going to get hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a good thing. If you got a two-year-old, you know, I'm not going to give them a chainsaw, right? This is going to end very badly. It's the same way when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We got to make sure that we're finding this balance because if we drift in one or the other, things get unbiblical really quick and you'll be in a service and somebody will be over here barking in the spirit, right? <laughs> and you're like, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, let me just clear that up really quick. If the Holy Spirit's going to transform you, and make you do anything, he's not going to make you act like a dog. 
if he's going to transform and make you do anything, scripturally, and we'll get into this, he's going to make you more like Jesus. Right? Why would he make you like a dog if he can make you more like Jesus where you can impact the world? Amen? He wants to make you more like Jesus in everything that you do. And here's what happens. The Holy Spirit wants to bring power to our practices so his church can be set apart from any other organization in the world, that his church would be set apart, prodigals can be brought home, believers can be edified, and God himself can be glorified. That's the point of power bringing brought into with our practices every time we get together. And this is why it's important that we're a church and that you are planted in a church where we have a balance of those two. In fact, in the end times, 2 Timothy 3.5 says this, in the end times, there will be a group of people, they will do things to make it look as if they are Christians, but they will not receive the power that is for a Christian. Keep away from such people. If we're gathering together, but the Holy Spirit is never present, and there's no power on display on a regular basis, if our church gets to that point, we really need to ask ourselves, what are we doing here? Because if we're gathering and God isn't here, why are we gathering? The, the world doesn't need another good group of people, a club. and The world doesn't need another club. It needs a church. It needs the bride of Christ. It needs a bold church. It needs a pure church. It needs a church that will stand out from the world. And so if we're gathering together, but we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit on display in our lives, if we're, if we're never talking about what does it mean to, to pray in the Spirit, what does it talk about the gifts of the Spirit, what, do we see healings taking place, do we see deliverances, do we see discipleship, people growing and maturing in their faith, do we see the boldness, not just from stage, but in each other, the boldness to speak out against things that are going on in our world that are obviously against God's Word? Do we see the boldness in each other as the power works through us to stand up against things that are going on that's like, no, you're not going to teach my kids that. No, you're not. No, we have some clarity on sexual confusion, on marriage, on abortion. Do we have the boldness to even say anything or do we just talk about it in behind closed doors and complain and gripe but never do anything? You see, the power of God is ready and available to go to work. But too many times the church gets stuck in lip service where we get together outside of church and we have meals together, but all we do is complain about the world and how the world's going to hell. But look at what 1 Corinthians 4.20 says. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's spirit. The kingdom of God, which we're called to carry, is not just so we can get together and run our mouths. You need to speak right. You need to say the right things. However, if we don't back it with Holy Spirit power, we're missing it according to scripture. It's not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's spirit. So good practices and religious duties aren't enough to compel the world to submit to Jesus. Good practices, religious duties, it's not enough. Here's what is enough. The power of the Holy Spirit in our practices is undeniably the most compelling of all. Because you'll be talking with someone and they'll say, man, I've struggled with this addiction for years but I submitted it to Jesus and now I'm totally different. And what can anyone say against the testimony? Nothing. The only explanation is Jesus. He impacted my life. And what is that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So 
we got to make sure that we are a church. And this is what we're going to find as we go to the school of the spirit. We're going to find this balance between seeing his power at work, because it should be at a regular, on a regular basis in our lives, but also how do we have the practices that support and encourage the power of the Holy Spirit to be in our lives. And so today, specifically, here's what we're saying. We're answering the question, who is the Holy Spirit? This is kind of the foundation. You've got to know who is the Holy Spirit. Point number one is this. The Holy Spirit is God. If you're taking notes, this is the first fill in the blank. The Holy Spirit is God. We serve one God who is made up of three persons, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons functioning as one. And many times it's easy to see uh, the Father, the Heavenly Father is God. It's easy to see Jesus as God, but sometimes it's hard to see the Holy Spirit as God, depending on how you've been brought up, how you've been taught, what you've seen, your your perception of who the Holy Spirit is. Um, Many people know him as the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. And I think here's why oftentimes in the original language, when they were translating, spirit was a very difficult word to translate. And, And many times it could have been translated more accurately as a breath of air or a force of air. In fact, whenever Jesus was raised from the dead and he met with his disciples, it's interesting that he said he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's literally what we're talking about here. The, The Holy Spirit is this move. So think of your life like a sailboat. It's tough to go without some wind. But what does it take? When, the, when I, on, on my boat, operate in agreement with the wind, I can take the most ground. If I try to fight the wind, it's not going to work well for me. If the wind's going the right direction, but I'm not prepared for it, it's not going to go well with me. But the Holy Spirit, as a force of air, spiritual breath into our life, he wants to guide us and direct us and move us where he wants us to go. But it takes some partnership and a relationship with him walking together. Let's talk about this, though, when it comes to the Holy Spirit being God. In the, in the, the New Testament, we see a story of uh, a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this story before, but it's a very interesting story because the church is established. There's this couple, they have a good idea. They're going to sell some of their land. They're going to give the profits to the church. And as they go to give it to the church, they think, well, let's just keep some of it back for ourselves. But when we get there, we're going to tell the church that we gave the whole sum to the church. So they're lying. They're being, they're being unethical, right? They're, they're going to keep some for themselves, but say that they gave it all to the church. Let's look at it in Acts chapter 5, verse 3. It says, Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, you could have came here and said, hey, we kept some for ourselves, but we wanted to give the church the rest. And that would have been great. That would have been fine. It's your money. You could have done whatever you wanted to. But because you came here and you said, no, we're giving it all to the church to make yourselves look better. We didn't keep any for ourselves. He's saying you're lying to the Holy Spirit. And he says, how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us but to God. So who's the Holy Spirit? He's God. He said, if you lied to the Holy Spirit, you are lying to God. Here's why this is important. You may say, well, I already know that. Here's why this is important. We have to be careful how we talk about the Holy Spirit. Because many times we have him in a different category, and so we talk about him differently. 
And we say, well, Holy Spirit stuff's just a little weird. Like, I like Jesus and I like God the Father, but that Holy Spirit is just kind of a wild card, right? I just don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. And when we approach it that way, when we say we don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit, we're saying there's a part of God, the living God, that we don't want anything to do with. And so it's dangerous ground for me to downplay the Holy Spirit because he is God. And if I mock and I make fun of and I downplay it and I do that, I am saying that about the living God, the creator of the universe. So how we talk about him is important. We have to acknowledge he is God. Point number two is this. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Let me put your mind at ease. Come on, somebody, right? Because some of you, you've been raised up in a church where you think the Holy Spirit is weird. Uh, More specifically, you think the people that engage with the Holy Spirit are weird, right? And they're flaky and they're just fanatics and they're just kind of out there. But I'm going to show you the Holy Spirit is not weird. And it's going to take a few weeks for me to really establish this in your heart. So I would encourage you to be here for all of this. But one of the best ways, I stole this from another pastor. He said it this way, the Holy Spirit's not the crazy uncle of the Trinity. Anybody have a crazy uncle in your, in your family, right? I got a few. I'll raise both hands, okay? So uh, he's not the crazy uncle of the family of God. That's not how it works. Many times, you will see something. In fact, if you just get on YouTube, you can look up some services and things that happen in the name of the Holy Spirit that are confusing to you. There are some times where there are things that are done outside of our wisdom, outside of our um, perspective that actually is God moving in people's lives. So I'm not making a blanket statement here. But I will say that many times, often, there is some weird stuff that's done in the name of the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't necessarily represent everyone that has a relationship with the Holy Spirit closely. Best example of this I can give is this. I am a Green Bay Packers fan. Pray for me, okay? I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, and every time I watch a Green Bay Packers uh, football game, late in December, it's in Wisconsin, it's freezing, snow's coming down, they're at Lambeau Field, everyone's bundled up, but there's always at least one dude who is shirtless in the, in the five degree weather while the snow's coming down, right? And he's just screaming, let's go Packers, right? Go Pack, go. And he's screaming his face off, shirtless. And when I look at him, I don't think all Packers fans are just like that, right? I'll tell you, I'm not, okay? I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna be suited up with a jacket, okay? You're welcome. I'm not gonna be shirtless at the Packers game. That's not how it's gonna work. He doesn't represent all Packers fans. You know why he does that? He likes being weird. Can we be real? Why does he shirtless in five degree? He likes it. He likes being kind of fanatic. He likes being a little weird. He likes to paint his chest. He likes to do those things. Many times, people will do weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit simply because they like being weird. And it doesn't mean I hate those people. It doesn't mean I'm looking down on those people. I'm just saying they're a unique breed of people, right? (laughs) Just like a Packers fan. There's some that are just, they operate in a little bit of a different way where I don't feel comfortable doing that. I don't feel comfortable going shirtless to the Packers game, but it doesn't mean I'm not a Packers fan and I'm not invested in what my team's doing. No, I'm still invested. I still want to see them win. I still want to see them succeed. But here's what happens. In the New Testament, when people operated under the authority of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wasn't making them do weird things. The Holy Spirit was making them do powerful things that helped them look more like Jesus. And that's why in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to receive power from him. He's going to work in your life in such a way where there were times, again, where, where the outside looking in, people were confused. What is going on with these people? Why are they acting so strange? There are moments for that. But the majority of the time in the New Testament, 
It was, they were walking in power and in purity, healing the sick, casting out uh, demons. They were preaching to thousands when just days ago they couldn't confess Jesus to an individual. There was a drastic change in their life. And what was it? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in their life. It wasn't making them do weird things. It was making them do powerful things to look like Jesus. And what happened when Jesus was on the earth? People ran to Jesus because there was power, because there was life change. And so when I'm walking with the Holy Spirit and his power is working through me, people shouldn't run from me because I am strange and weird. They should run towards me because they know there's something real and different, like they ran towards Jesus to say, what do you have that's different than what we see everywhere else that we go? But here's what happens. The devil would love to make you feel afraid and nervous about the Holy Spirit because that's where your power and your boldness comes from. So isn't it a great trick of the devil to say, well, there's a lot of weird stuff going on out there. If you get on YouTube, you can find a lot of weird stuff. Maybe you've been trapped in a service or maybe there's a teaching that you've believed for a long time where it's like, stay away from it. Stay away from the Holy Spirit. Don't even talk about him. We have God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit's in here, but we're just not gonna talk about it publicly to our church. No, that's not it. We're missing it if we're doing that. No, that's not it. But the, Holy, or the, the, the devil would love to do that so that you would flee from, run from, have no knowledge of how do I walk in power here on earth in this life that God's given me? And how do I represent Jesus well? The best way is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what happens. Many times we are insulting God whenever we say, well, I'll get saved. I'll get water baptized, but I'm not really totally sure, Lord, that I want to go all in with you, with the Holy Spirit side of you. But the Holy Spirit is God. He's not the weird uncle. He's not going to take over you and have you do something weird when you're out in public someday. No, he comes as Jesus does. He's a gentleman who knocks at the door. And if you'll say, Lord, I want all of you. I want all of you. I want everything that you have for me. Lord, I'm open to it. Would you come into my life and would you move? He will accept that invitation. But too many times people say, I'm just gonna leave that door closed because that's the weird uncle. No, it's not. It's God. And it's more of his presence and it's a more personal relationship than you could ever imagine if we invite him in. And we're going to be a church that says, Lord, we want all of you. Not just parts of you, we want all of you. Point number three is this. The Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not weird. He's God, but he's a person. Scripture refers to the Holy Spirit as a he or a him because he's a person. And this is why this is important. If you don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, you're going to struggle to have a personal relationship with him. If you see him as an it or a thing, you're going to struggle to be close with him, to hear his voice. My son, Gavin, I don't refer to him as an it, right? Well, it did a great job mowing the yard yesterday. It's doing great in fourth grade. No, that's really strange, right? I don't do that. But I say, he's doing great. He did a great job mowing the yard. He is a hard worker. He's doing awesome at fourth grade. No, I talk to him personally. He's a person, so I can have a personal relationship with him. Many people say, well, now scripture says that, that uh, the Holy Spirit's a dove and he, he floats around spiritually. Well, in Luke 3, 22, it says that he descended upon Jesus like a dove, like a dove. He's not an animal. Scripture says in Acts 2, verse 3, that he is like fire, but he's not fire. He's a person. He's like these things, but he is not those things. He's not a thing, a force, or an animal. He's a person. And here's what separates a person from a thing. It's usually a mind, a will, and emotions. 
And this is where we can see this in scripture. The first is a mind. In John 16, 13, it says this about the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of Truth, capital S, Spirit of Truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. This should be so encouraging for us. Because here's what happens. He, he has the wisdom to guide us into all truth because he has a mind. And so there may be times in your life where you say, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what business decision to make. I don't know who, who to date. I don't know what job to take. I, I don't know how to help raise my, my crazy child who's, who's, we're disciplining him, but they're not, they're not following. They're not, they're not growing. I don't know what to do. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. The, the spirit of truth comes and he wants to give you God's wisdom, not your own. He wants to speak to you and say, here's what you can do differently. Here's what you can do differently. And I think this is oftentimes where we need to stop and we need to ask the Holy Spirit for help in the little things. When I was younger, when I was five and under, I was a crazy monster of a child, okay? If you locked the door, I could find a way out, right? If there was a ladder outside, I could get on the roof at three years old. Didn't matter. I will make it happen. I was that kid. But there was a moment, my mom would share this story. There's a moment for my mom where she was asking God, look, what do I do with this kid? He's totally different than my other two boys. What do I do? And God gave her insight on how to discipline me, train me, spend time with me in a different way that set me up for success in the long, time, long run. But what did it take? It took a mother who cared enough to stop and ask the Holy Spirit who was knocking at the door of her life and of our relationship as, as a son and a mother to say, Holy Spirit, would you come in and give me wisdom you are the spirit of truth. Will you help me with this kid? Because I don't know what to do. Parents, you may, maybe can relate to that. He wants to guide you into all truth. You may say, I just don't know what to do. Well, here's the good news. You have someone who wants to live on the inside of you, who has all wisdom. And he knows exactly what to do. And guess what? He knows tomorrow. So he knows the future. He knows what your decision today will do for you tomorrow. Trust him. Ask him. The second thing is a will. In Acts 16, verse 6 through 7, it says this. This is the apostles, they're traveling. It says, now as they're going, they went through the region of Galatia. And here's what it says. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So what do we see here? We see the will of God at work in the apostles' life. It forbid them. It did not allow them to do it. That's him exercising his will. But hear me in this. Even though the Holy Spirit forbid them, they still had to choose to walk in obedience. Let me make that personal. There's a lot of things that me and you do on a regular basis that the Holy Spirit is forbidding. But we have to walk in obedience. There's a lot of things that maybe I do. Maybe I run my mouth too much. Maybe I gossip. Maybe I'm uh, still dabbling in some sin that I know is sin. And I know it's against God's word, but I keep going back to it. The Holy Spirit forbids it through his word. But I ignore him and I walk in disobedience. See, the apostles knew God can steer a moving car. <laughs> so what did they do? They didn't sit at home until the Holy Spirit said, go to this place and then you can preach. No, they walked. It says what? They walked. And when they tried to go into, meaning they got to the gate, you couldn't have stopped us <laughs> a few miles back, a few days ago when we were traveling, Holy Spirit, they were moving in such a way, Lord, we're gonna move. And as we walk through our day and through our week, we're trusting that you're gonna guide us and you're gonna, if you forbid us, we will go the opposite way, but we're gonna move. 
And along the way, I thank you that you're going to give me Holy Spirit assignments to meet people, to pray for someone, to encourage someone here, to work with uh, efficiency and be diligent here. Whatever it might be, they understood we're going to move so that God can speak to us. We're not going to sit at home and wait for God to speak and then move. That's not how it works. God wants you to move. That's why Jesus said, go. But a lot of Christians are sitting at home waiting for God to say, go, go take that job, go pursue that thing, go, go walk in that relationship. Jesus said, go, go, make disciples, go, preach the gospel, be moving, be active, don't be static, do not be a static Christian. And the good, the good news is this, well, let me back up. How do we know the will of the Holy Spirit? If he has a will, how do we know it? It's really pretty simple. The Holy Spirit's will is the will of God. The will of God is the word of God. And the word of God is Jesus. That's, that's it. The general will of God for your life is gonna be found here in this book. And as you grow in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the personal will of God will be heard through his voice in your heart. And we'll get to that in a few weeks. But if you wanna know the general will of God, it's right here. It's not a mystery. He's not hiding it from you. He's not, I hope you can figure it out before it's too late. No, it's right here. And through this, through his voice in your heart, you will discover the personal will of God for your life. What job do I take? What position, what, what relationship do I pursue? You will hear his voice in here, not with your ears, but in here. So the good news is this, the Holy Spirit knows the will of God. He wants to tell you the will of God. And when I build a relationship with him, I can clearly hear the will of God. That's why Romans 8, 26 says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We're gonna get into that here in a few weeks. But what happens? The Holy Spirit has such a heart to reveal to you and to pray God's perfect will over your life that he's gonna help intercede on your behalf. He says, I know you don't have all knowledge, but I do. I know you don't know perfectly every in and out of God's will for your life, but I do. Let me help you. Let me intercede for you. Let me partner with you. Let me help you pray God's perfect will. Man, he's such a great helper. And this is why you gotta know him because I know him and I talk to him every day and I couldn't do it. I couldn't live this life without the help of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that you will get there. Lastly, he has emotions. In Ephesians 4.30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Grief is an emotion. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Let's read it in context. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 25. It says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Mm, come on somebody, right? Let's apply that to our Facebooks. Let no <laughs> corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Simply put, when a believer continues to walk in sin and live a worldly lifestyle. It says, don't even give place to the devil. Not even a glimpse of darkness in my life. Why? His name is the Holy Spirit. 
of the holy God. Holiness is an option. <laughs> if I want a close relationship with him, he wants to help me walk in holiness. He wants to help me walk in purity. He wants to help me walk in righteousness. And because he can be grieved, what does he do? He convicts us. Just like my wife, Leslie, if I'm doing something that is hurting her, hurts her feelings, what's she gonna do? She's gonna say, hey, please don't do that. That hurts me when you speak that way. That hurts me when you respond that way. What is that? It's conviction. I didn't know that I was, I didn't realize. So what should my response be? I will change because I will do anything to not hurt you, grieve you, bring harm to you. And that's how we should respond to the Holy Spirit. But here's what happens. The Holy Spirit forbids things. He's convicting on things. But many times we act like that football player that's putting the stiff arm out. I want to hang on to this sin for a little longer. I don't think I'm ready to give up that part of my life. But then somebody gets sick or there's a crisis moment in my life. And what I do, I turn to the Holy Spirit and I say, help me, God, help me. Where are you? Well, we've been stiff arming him for years, but we expect him to show up now. You see, that's not a healthy relationship. I would never do that to my spouse. Why would I do that to my savior? All he's asking for is he's saying, would you walk with me in this life? And as we go, I may forbid you to do things, but you have to trust my perspective is all knowing. And I realize that if you do this, if you go down that relationship, if you pursue that thing, if you continue to walk in sin, it will destroy you. Would you trust me? Because I'm God and I'm all knowing and I'm here to help you. And that's the Holy Spirit. And we want to be in a relationship with him where we're not stiff arming him and saying, no, please don't help. But it breaks his heart. It grieves him when we choose sin over him. So let's allow him to come into our life. And through the next several weeks, we're going to say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to us in a fresh way? Would you give us a fresh anointing and a fresh help and boldness to walk how you've called us to work and, and to walk and to live? In the school of the Spirit, we're going to find balance between power and practices. Who is the Holy Spirit? It's really simple. He's God. He's not the weird uncle. He's God. He wants to help you because he's a person that you can have a personal relationship with. He has a mind, a will, and emotions. And his number one job is to help us and to guide us and to shape us to be more like Jesus. And next week, we're gonna talk specifically about some ways that he's gonna bring help in our lives. At the bottom of your notes, I'm gonna draw your attention to the reflection question, the action step down there. I would ask you to be honest with this. We put this, we have some form of a re reflection question and action step every single week at the bottom of your notes because if we're just coming here and we're listening but we're never putting it into action, we're missing it. Faith without works is dead. So how do we apply this? I would encourage you every week to talk to your spouse about this, talk to a friend about this, but it says this, have I allowed a misconception or a misrepresentation of the Holy Spirit to keep me from a closer relationship with him? This week, I wanna invite the Holy Spirit to reveal himself and to go to work in my life in a renewed way. If you'll say that prayer, answer that honestly so you can tear down some strongholds in your life, you'll see God show up in a unique way, in a fresh way, in a revival way in your life this week. I promise you that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. He's our counselor. He's our guide. Lord, I thank you that you're going to bring us clarity. Lord, as a church body, as we continue to gather together and look at the clarity of your word, you've made it so clear and easy for us to receive. And so, Lord, throughout the next several weeks, I thank you that as we study 
the person of the Holy Spirit, which is a part of you. Lord, I pray you give us an abundance of clarity. And this week, God, would you help us tear down strongholds that have been put up by, the, by, by someone else or by the enemy to keep us from you? But would you help us tear those down so we can walk with you hand in hand in this life and give you full access to our lives, Lord. We're not gonna stiff arm you from convicting us. No, Lord, we ask you, would you help us walk holy as you are holy? and walk in a close relationship with you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.